Hey there and welcome to Soul Church. Our prayer is that this message encourages you wherever you may be in life. You know, we've been hearing so many stories about what God is doing in people's lives and we'd love to hear yours. So take a second and send your story to stories at soulchurch.com. Thanks again for joining us today and we hope that you enjoy the message. God bless. Who's ready for God to speak to you today? I just want to take a moment to see what a brilliant job Pastor John has done on this Tipping Point series, hasn't he? I, I wasn't here last weekend, but on Monday morning at 6am, I heard his message. And let me tell you, life was coming out of YouTube. It was amazing. So if you're watching online or you're in this room, come on, why don't we thank Pastor John for leading us. What's been an amazing series. My name's Steve, if you don't know me, this really is an honour. This series has been based on Malcolm Gladwell's book, Tipping Point, which talks about the importance of repeated behaviours. And then it says, I think this is on the screen, when that tipping point is reached, a breakthrough occurs. Like the collapse of a dam. I love that or a trickle turning into a flood. Who could do with a breakthrough in your life, in your family? Who could do with a dam to come crashing down to release what God wants in your life? Who would love a trickle to turn into a flood of God's Spirit, God's grace, God's provision. Come on, who could do with a bit of a breakthrough in those areas? A tipping point. And on the day of Pentecost, Peter stands up. So we're going to read one verse, so why don't we all stand up? If you're at home, stay where you are. <laughs> the day of Pentecost, Peter stands up and announces that a tipping point is about to come that is going to change history. He says this in Acts 2.16, but this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. It shall come to pass in the last days, says God, that I will pour out of my spirit on all flesh tipping point. I will pour out. It's a promise from God. Come on, who needs God to pour something out for you? Why don't we pray? Jesus, it's your spirit that we need. We might think that we need other things, but it's you. This is your word and these are your people. This is your church. And we ask, Lord, that you would have your way. Would you pour out everything that we need in this service, in Jesus' name. And everyone with a bit of faith said a big loud, amen. amen. Well, you can take your seats. In 2002, we moved to Australia. I quickly realized that Australia is basically a big, hot Desert. I was in a fruit shop one day 
And outside, it was 46 degrees. Inside the fruit shop, it had a corrugated iron roof. And there was a thermometer. And the temperature inside the fruit shop was 54 degrees Celsius, which is 129 degrees Fahrenheit. How many know that's hot for a northern lad? Up in Brisbane, where we lived, it was not only hot, it was humid. Often 95% humidity this time of year. So we... We decided we need to cool off, so we got an annual pass to Wet and Wild in the Gold Coast, you beauty. But even that wasn't that great. You know, I got myself lathered up with my Factor 50 sunscreen. You know, it was so hot, I was sweating, it was going all in my eyes. And I rocked up with my bright yellow board shorts, contrasting nicely with my white skin. And, uh, you know, I'm walking into Wet and Wild barefoot and flipping heck it's like 50 degrees on the floor so I'm kind of you know I'm like walking all the Aussies are just walking through because they're used to it I'm feeling like an idiot and my girls were both pretty young so we went into an area called Junior World I think we've got a picture and we just walked into Junior World and then all of a sudden all I heard was whoosh and there's this big massive bucket that slowly fills with water and you wait and you wait and then all of a sudden, whoosh. I mean, there's rides and slides in Wet n Wild and some of them have cost hundreds of thousands of dollars, but the place where we had the most fun was under that tipping bucket. It was awesome, refreshed cooled down. It was like being back home and all the rain. It was epic. (laughs) And I remember seeing everyone just having such a blast in there and I would stand and I'd watch and there's different types of people in a tipping point. Firstly, there's the kids. I think we've got a picture of, and these kids were just like loving it. Just every opportunity, they're in there, they're they're doing little dances and you just watch their little faces. They were just so expecting, they couldn't wait for the next one. Then there's the newbies, first time in Wet n Wild, walking through, haven't got a clue. These lot are brilliant because you watch them and they're just walking through and then all of a sudden, whoosh. And it hits them, you beauty. They, they cause me a lot of joy. <laughs> then there's the nervous bystanders. Should I? Shouldn't I? Is it going to hurt me? The nervous bystander eventually steps in and they love it as well. The ones I didn't really like were the too cool for school. You'll never get me under there. Maybe they were wearing a toupee or something. I don't know, but they're kind of happy to stand nearby and they like to feel the splash and see the mist. And it's not until a relative comes behind them and pushes them in and then they love it too. All kinds of people. Expecting child the newbies, the nervous bystander, that you'll never get me under there. I wonder which character is most like you when there's a tipping point. When Peter preaches in Acts chapter 2, 
He gets up and he quotes the prophet Joel. Now, if you're new to church, the book of Joel is in the Bible, but it was written 800 years earlier. When you read the first chapter, you'll see that it's a time of national crisis for three reasons. Firstly, because of a plague of locusts that has descended. Now, in Britain, we don't see these, but those of you that have been brought up in Africa, you may have seen a plague of locusts. There is something like 800 million in a plague. They can devour an area of 400 square miles. They can eat 80,000 tons in a single day. That's more than our youth ministry. And they, uh, <laughs> if you were to look at a single square meter of ground, there can be 75,000 locust eggs in one square meter. That's a lot of locusts. When they descend upon the land, the sky is darkened, the sun is obscured, and they literally strip the land of everything. We've got a picture here. This was taken in a a locust infestation in 2015 in Jerusalem. That's the tree beforehand. That's the tree about three minutes later, stripped of everything. It says in Joel 1 verse 4, it says, what the chewing locust left, the swarming locust has eaten. What the swarming locust left, the crawling locust has eaten. What the crawling locust left, the consuming locust has eaten. Have you ever felt like when the enemy comes into your life, it's never one thing, is it? If it was one locust, flick, he's gone. But he often comes in like a flood, like a swarm. And he comes in and he tries to consume you. He'll try and crawl into every different area of your life. He'll crawl where he can get. He'll crawl into your mind and your thinking. Fill you with worry and anxiety. Joel goes on to describe the aftermath in Joel 1 verse 10. Says the field is wasted. The land mourns. The grain is ruined. The new wine is dried up and the oil fails. You feel wasted. Online, you're mourning. Feel like your life has been ruined. Your spirit is dried up because you're feeling, God, where are you? You feel like such a failure, like you should have done better. Joel 1 verse 12, it says, the vine has dried up, the fig tree has withered, the pomegranate tree, the palm tree also, and the apple tree. All the trees of the field are withered. And surely joy has withered away from the sons of men. It's not only what happens to you externally that's so damaging, it's the fact that it takes away the fruit of the spirit, the love and the joy and the hope and the peace. It's withered up on the inside. As well as the locusts, if that wasn't bad enough in the book of Joel. Secondly, there's a drought. The rains fail. So now there's no chance of the seeds coming up for the next year. There's no hope. There's no future. What are we going to do? And then the third thing that happens is that God says that the Assyrian army is about to come down from the north. It's like the Scots invading us, isn't it? What a terrifying thought that would be. Nicholas Sturgeon. Anyway, I shouldn't have said that. Can you imagine 
The Assyrians are coming. A plague, a financial crisis, a military invasion. Does that sound familiar? Maybe in your life the enemy has attacked you, not just in one direction, maybe it's in many. On New Year's Day, how many of you were here on New Year's Day in the 5 p.m. in the service? A lot of you were here. Pastor John and Chantal were in Africa, and so they asked me to speak, and we hadn't had normal services for a while. We'd had the wonder, we'd had Christmas Day, and so we really wanted that 5 p.m. to be epic. And so we planned, and the place was jammed, and I was going to preach on pressure, Pressed, but not crushed. Pressed, but pressing on. Some of you are nodding because you remember it, which is good. Well done. Thank you. Feel encouraged. <laughs> Speaking on pressure. The night before, I get a phone call that my sister's got to go into hospital. And I remember New Year's Eve talking to Graham and Laura and telling them about, you know, my sister. And I found out a week later that I didn't know this at the time, but all across Christmas and New Year, I, I went to see a dermatologist and my leg had been in a lot of pain and I went to see the dermatologist, thought it was a skin outbreak and said, oh, no, you've, uh, you've, you've got shingles. I didn't even know it. So on New Year's Day, I had, you know, my sister, I got shingles, I'm not feeling great. In the morning of New Year's Day, it's nine o'clock, I'm getting ready to preach at five and the phone goes, it's my mom, she can't breathe, can't get a breath. Ambulance arrived, take her into hospital. She's in a corridor for 24 hours, like a war zone. People are dying literally all around her. And there I am, preparing to preach. And in 35 years of preaching, I've never once reached the point where I, I just can't do it. But that day, I got very close. John had been around, I'd obviously spoken to him, but I didn't want to put it on people on New Year's Day. And so I made the plan that I'd come, I'd preach and then I drive up north that night and so I'm walking into church Nick Cowell's on the door he's one of my really good friends and he's one of the most encouraging people he's always asking he'd been praying and he says at the door how's your mom how's your sister and I went to answer I just I literally couldn't speak I thought if I speak and tell him it's I'm going to explode and so I just nodded my head I'm sorry if I was rude Nick and I went upstairs and I thought I just can't talk to anyone don't want to see anyone. I'll come down in the worship, I'll preach, then I'll go. Because the enemy comes like a crawling locust, consuming locust. Some of you know what it's like. Maybe it was an effort for you to come today. Maybe you're listening at home because you couldn't face being here. Because the enemy, just like in the book of Joel, has come after you. But aren't you glad that that's only the first half of the book of Joel? There's a second half. And it all changes in the central verses of the book. In Joel 2, 15 and 16, they are a tipping point to the whole book. Because before this, it's a mess. After this, it's incredible. It all changes with Joel 2, 15 to 16. It says, blow the trumpet in Zion consecrate a call a sacred assembly 
Gather the people. Sanctify the congregation. Assemble the elders. Get the children. Get the nursing babies. Let the bride go, go out from her chamber, his chamber, and the bride from his, her dressing room. It's like this is important. Everyone get together. You need to hear this. This is a tipping point. Get to church. Gather the people. It's a sacred assembly. I love what Pastor John preached a couple of weeks ago, the big five. You know, when you start to live out the big five of prayer, of fasting, of reading God's word, it changes you. It's a tipping point. You know, one of the things we're really passionate about as a church, we're starting in two weeks. As a church, God has really graced us. We see decisions in our church every week, every service. There's not many places in Britain where this happens. People put it that put up their hands, they take that special first step. And we all clap, we love it, but you know what? It's an important step, but it's only a first step. And there are many other steps. And we've realized we really wanna help people. These are like newborn babies. We wanna teach them and help them learn to follow Jesus. So we're gonna start this course in two weeks. And it's not just a course, it's about training these children into maturity. If you've made a decision in the last year and you've not done something like this, I want to tell you, get on, follow Jesus. Sign up on your phone. Pull it out right now. Tune out of me if you need to. Sign up afterwards. Because we want to see you follow Jesus. It will become a tipping point. Walk out of your old life and into the new that he has for you. That's why church is so important. Be in church. Read your Bible. Take the fast Seriously. It says, gather the nursing babies, gather the children. Don't let your kids be an excuse to stay at home on Sunday. Your kids won't have a tipping point at the football or reading the paper and having a coffee and a lazy Sunday. It's when you gather, it's a special assembly. You know, 15 years ago, I made a decision. Our kids were still fairly young and they were coming into teenage and youth and stuff. And I made a, a pre-decision. This is what I decided. My kids ever asked me to run them to church. For church, for youth, for group, for creative, my decision would always be yes. I don't care how busy I am, how important things are on, I just made a decision in my heart, if my girls ever come to me and say, Dad, will you take me to church? It will be a yes. And I've done that for 15 years. I did it twice this week when Mercy Morstan at 5.30 told me she needed to be at church at 6. <laughs> Drop, dropped it. Why? It's a pre-decision. Because that's where your kids have a tipping point. That's where their lives are changed. Get them in youth. Get them to church. So consecrate a fast, call an assembly, gather the people. And then everything changes in Joel. Look at verse 19 of Joel chapter two. It says, the Lord will answer. Come on, if you're listening online, wherever you are, the Lord will answer and say to his people, behold, 
Whenever the Bible says, behold, get ready. Behold, I will send you grain and new wine and oil, and you will be satisfied by them. I will answer. I will send. So I want to talk to you for a few more minutes on living in the I wills of God. In the rest of this chapter, there are four incredible I wills, promises of God to every one of you. I will answer, I will send. So number one, I will provide for you. I will provide for you. From the youngest to the oldest. Grain, a new wine, an oil. Even though there's an economic crisis, even though the locusts have stripped you bare, even though the locusts have destroyed your income, I will provide. I will provide for you. I love that. 4th of April, 1993. I walked down the aisle of this church, Nelson Street, to get married to my beautiful wife, Rachel. 1993, April. That's right, 30 years in a couple of months' time. I don't look old enough, do I? That's what you were thinking. 30 years. We stood at the front. I know. I know what just happened. You saw the picture, didn't you? Like, like Rachel hasn't changed, but what happened to him, all right? That's what you were thinking, wasn't it? What was going on with the hair? Hey, at least I had hair, all right? So it's all good. She has done well, hasn't she? I like that. That's a faith statement. So honestly, she took my breath away when she walked down and I stood there. And Rachel's granddad, Dr. Sedley Pimlock, he said these words. He says, will you, Stephen William Morstan, Take Rachel Rosaline Pimlot to be your lawful wedded wife. What did I say? I will. Because I'm not a dipstick. <laughs> I will. I'm not going to get a better chance. I will. I've fought long and hard to get her to this altar. Ten years of chasing her. I will. When I said those words, I made a legal declaration according to the laws of our land, but I made a covenant promise to God. It's the language of covenant. I will. God is standing here today, looking across this audience. I will provide for you. I will give you grain and new wine and oil. Whatever you need. I'm young and now I'm your. And I have never seen the righteous forsaken or his people begging bread. Why? Because one day God said, I will provide for you. I will provide. Number two, Joel chapter two, the next verse, verse 20. But I will remove far away from you, the northern army. And I will drive him away into a barren and desolate 
land. Number one, I will provide for you. Number two, I will drive them away. God said, I've dealt with the locust, I've dealt with the drought, and now I'm going to tell you beforehand that when the enemy comes, I will drive them away. And according to Isaiah 37, 36, God was faithful because in one single night, God destroyed an army of 185,000 people. So it doesn't matter what's coming against you right now, how many of them there are coming against you. God has said, I will drive them away. I will. Goes on to say, verse 21, so fear not, soul church. Be glad and rejoice, for the Lord has done marvelous things. What do you do when you're in the middle of a battle, when the enemy's coming in? You be glad. You fear not. You rejoice. Why? Because when you lift up your voice to Jesus, when you start to honor him, it creates a tipping point. I signed up the family to an app called Spotify about a year ago. We we got one of those family plans. It was the girls hassling me. They want the benefits. They want dad to pay for it. And so I signed it up on my phone and we can all access Spotify. They've been listening to it for all year. I haven't listened to it for once until Melody's album came on. So I tuned in. It was the only way I could hear it. And then in this last couple of weeks of prayer and fasting, God challenged me, stop listening to so much news, start reading more of my word, start getting worship into you. So I figured out how to use Spotify. Come on, give me a round of applause. That deserves some. I have even got my own playlist, you little ripper. So I start my devotion with a beautiful worship song. When I'm in my car, I'm cranking it up. This morning, I got told off by the wife for playing it too loud as I was preparing for church because Mercy Morstan was still in bed. But anyway, I've learned there's something powerful about filling your life, filling your mind, filling your heart, filling your car with praise and with worship. Rejoice, be glad. It creates tipping points. I will provide for you. I will drive them away. And number three, this is for some of you, some of you online, some of you in this room. I will restore. I will restore. Joel 2 verse 25. So I will restore to you. I will restore to you. I will, I will restore to you the years the locust has eaten. Some of you, it's been years of asking God, why don't you pour it out? Why don't you do it? God is saying to you today, I will, it's a promise, I will restore to you The years the locust has eaten, the crawling locust. When I read this this week, God showed me a picture. You've heard me preach many times. I don't say these things very often. He showed me a picture. People in this room, people in our church, crawling. 
because of what the locust has done to them. Some of you are crawling because of ill health. I saw some of you around a toilet bowl vomiting and holding on to that and crying before God. For some of you, it was because of an addiction. You're in a desperate place. I saw people that had been knocked down physically, crying out to God. I saw people, the crawling locust had got in their head. There was so much anxiety that filled their body that they were down on their hands and knees begging God to be free. God showed me some of you because he saw you. He saw you. He saw you in that dark place because he loves you. Today he wants to say, if that was you, if you're remembering where you were, I will restore to you. He's going to restore everything the locust has eaten. Who wants to live in the I wills of God? I'll provide for you. I'll drive them away. I will restore. I will restore. Problem is with getting on my hands and knees and crawling is see my hairline. But thank God I will restore. I will restore. If not, there's always turkey. All right, I will restore. But who's ready for one more? I will provide. I will drive them away. I will restore. Number four. I will pour out. Joel was speaking of a day in the future when God would supernaturally pour out his spirit. God's people waited for it and longed for it and believed for it. And 800 years later, Jesus' disciples are standing at the airport and about to wave off the one they love, Jesus. And the very last thing that Jesus says to them is don't leave Jerusalem because you're going to receive power. And it's going to come on you and you are going to be my witnesses. I may be gone, but you are going to Pick up where I left off. And I'm going to give you my power to do that. It's going to go Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria to the ends of the earth. In Acts 1 verse 9 it says, After Jesus said this, he was taken up before their very eyes and a cloud hid Jesus from their sight. I think, oof. He's gone. There's a sense of loss, a sense of disappointment, and uncertainty. They were going to miss him. But what are they going to do without him? Feels like the whole world is against us. There's only 120 of us against the might and the oppression of the Roman army. 
no blueprint, no master plan, no vision statement. What are we going to do? You don't know what to do? Just do what he tells you. So they stayed in Jerusalem. Went into an upper room. Started to pray. An upper room. And as they pray in the upper room, all of a sudden, whoosh, the heavens are open. There's a tipping point. The Spirit of God is poured out upon those people. There's a sound like a rushing mighty wind and tongues of fire descend on each of them individually. The Holy Spirit takes them out of that upper room and into the temple courtyards. There are people there from all over the world. The Feast of Pentecost. And they start to speak to the people from all around the empire in whatever their language was. They don't know it naturally, but they speak it supernaturally and tell of the wonders of God. The people say, how do you know how to speak in my language? They were amazed. And yet some others mocked them and said, they've had too much to drink. And it's in this context that Peter stands up. Peter, who just a few days ago has got so scared, he denies even knowing Jesus. The servant girl says, weren't you with him? So I oh, know I've never known him. But now Peter has been filled with the Holy Spirit. And he gets up in Acts 2 and verse 16. He says, this is it. This is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. This is what you've been waiting for, longing for, believing for. This is it. I will pour out of my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your young men shall see visions. Your old men shall dream dreams. And on my men servants and maid servants, I will pour out my spirit in these days. 3,000 people come to Christ. It's a tipping point. I will pour out. It's a breakthrough moment. The dam collapses, the heavens are open, and a trickle becomes a flood. And it's for you. It's for all of you. So yesterday morning, I was preparing this message. The thought of a tipping point did enter my head. I could, but I won't. I was preparing this message and my mentors is a guy I've talked about before, Dr. Van Shaw. He lives in Queensland and 
He's a really godly man. He prays for us every day. Sometimes I call him and he's physically on, our knee, on his knees praying for Rachel and me and the girls. Every day for years, he's prayed for us. And he just sent me a text and said, how's your mom, how's your sister? And by the way, they're doing great. And so I messaged him back on the text. I said, oh, pray for me tomorrow. I'm speaking on the subject of tipping points. And this verse about, I will pour out my spirit. And he's a Greek scholar. He's got a PhD in theology and he reads his Bible in Greek because that's the language it was originally written. It's translated into English. And he said, Steve, do you mind if I call you and tell you about something that's in the Greek text that we miss in English? Now, I love this stuff. I know some of you don't, but hang with me for a moment. I said, please call me. And he called me. And he said, Steve, you know that phrase when we say, I will pour out my spirit. He says in the Greek text, there's another word which often the English translations fail to pick up. But in some translations like the New King James, it says this and it's more accurate. I will pour out of my spirit. I will pour out of my spirit. You check your Bible, some of them will, some of them will say, I'll just pour out my spirit. He said, Steve, when God says, I will pour out of my spirit, he's talking about the Holy Spirit. And there are two things, if you've never heard about the Holy Spirit, two things you need to know. Number one, he is God. He is powerful. He was there in the beginning. Holy, holy, holy. So when God says, I will pour out of my spirit, he's not pouring out an amorphous substance like water, which will run dry and has a limited capacity. He is saying, I will pour out of my spirit and the Holy Spirit is God and there's nothing that you're facing that is bigger than him. him. He always was, he always will be. I will pour that out. My Holy Spirit. The second thing you need to know about the Holy Spirit is yes, He's powerful because He's God, but secondly, He's a person. He is a person. He's not an electric force, He is a person. I will pour out of my Spirit. That's important because what that means is as a person, He sees you. He knows what you're going through. He knows your individual need. He saw you at your darkest moment. This week, we read Psalm 139. says, where can I go from your spirit? Even if I go make my bed in hell, you're there. He's in your darkest moment and your brightest moment. So therefore, he knows exactly what you need in your life right now. He knows. That's why he poured out individual tongues of fire. That's why he empowered them to speak to individuals in their own language. Because he's personal. He knows what you're going through. So the promise of God to you today is God is saying, I will pour out of my spirit upon you. And it is exactly what you need in this moment. 
So let's conclude this message with the four things. Number one, I will provide for you. Why don't we all stand? I will provide for you. I will. We're going to create a moment for you to encounter God in just a moment. But there are people in this room and different one of you, ones will relate to different of these I wills. We would love to pray for you. We'd love to pray for you. We did it in the last service. And quickly tell you a story it just popped into my head. I literally preached this morning, went out there. A guy talked to me in the foyer. He said, my marriage is in a mess. It's been terrible. He says, so when you talked about God knows you individually, I thought, well, God knows about my marriage. And so he decided to come forward to the altar. He doesn't normally for prayer. He came for prayer to the altar, prayed for his wife. The Gunnings prayed for him here and prayed for their marriage. Wife has moved, moved on, moved out of the home. She wasn't here. Came to the front, prayed with the Gunnings believe God to restore he went back to his seat he said literally one minute later there was a text from his wife she said I'm coming home straight away I will restore to you I will I will I'm believing for some of you this is a tipping point moment I will provide come on who's that who needs a miracle in your finances you need God to provide who needs you're facing opposition and God is saying, I will drive them away. Come on, you need God to push away some of your enemies. Some of you, I will restore. The enemy's taken things away. God wants to restore. And lastly, maybe you've never experienced the Holy Spirit. He's saying, I will pour out. I will pour out. You know, in a moment like this, I asked you earlier, when there's a tipping point, who are you most like? Some of you are like, the little kid, man, you're already ready to get down here. It's like, I need this. Maybe some of you are new. You've never experienced the Holy Spirit. You just can't, oh, I came to church. I, know. I want to encourage you. These are people that we know and trust. They would love to pray for you, for you to encounter the Holy Spirit. Maybe you're this, that scared bystander. You're nervous. I want to encourage you. Come with a friend. Come and stand here. We're going to believe God for you. Don't be the too cool for school. God has spoken to you. He wants to do something. I will provide. I will drive them away. I will restore. I will pour out. Come on, there's a tipping point here. We're going to worship Jesus. We're going to allow the Holy Spirit to do His way. But if you want a, an encounter with God, then why don't you step out of your seat? Come on, you come down and we're going to believe for Him to touch lives in Jesus' name church just as the team keep praying at the front you know the Holy Spirit can do in one second what we can't do in 10 years so would you just if you feel comfortable stretch out your hands and just continue to pray for these people come on let's join together and pray Holy Spirit we want to thank you for what you're doing we want to thank you for tipping point moments, for breakthroughs, Lord, in the hearts and lives of every one of these people. Lord, we want to declare over them the promise, I will provide. 
where there's been a trickle, would there be a flood? Lord, you promised you would drive out. Would you drive out every attack of the enemy in their families? Lord, we pray that you would pour out, pour out your spirit. Lord, individually, what every person needs, would you do what only you can do? So right now, Holy Spirit, we give you permission to have your way. In Jesus' name, amen. Just while these guys keep praying quietly, I just want to ask you one more question. Right at the end of Peter's sermon, right at the end of Joel chapter 2, he says one more thing. He says one more thing. Peter said, whoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Whoever, whoever you are, wherever you've been, whatever you've done, whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. He wants to save you. He wants to have a relationship with you, my friend. Maybe you're here and you've never had a relationship with the Lord Jesus. Today is your moment. He loves you and His arm is outstretched towards you. You may not understand everything, but you've sensed His presence. He wants to meet you, come into your life. He'll forgive you for whatever you've done. He'll give you an incredible future. You say, Steve, all right, I don't understand it, but I want to get right. I know I need to get right with Him. How do I do it? It's really easy. You pray a prayer. You just open your heart and say, Jesus, would you come in? We do this every week in church. It is our greatest honor to pray for people, to get right with God. We all need Him. I wonder, friend, have you ever prayed that prayer? If you haven't, this is your moment. Or maybe you once walked with Him, but if you're honest, You've walked away and drifted away. You're not in the right place with God. And today, He's calling you back. It's for you as well. So I'd love to pray for everyone who wants to get right with God, from the youngest to the oldest. Whatever section of this auditorium you're sitting in, or whether you're listening online, this is your moment to get right with God. So I'm going to ask everyone to close your eyes and bow your heads. This is between you and Him. What I'm going to do is I'm going to count to three. When I count to three, if you say, Steve, I know I need to get right with God. Would you include me in that prayer? I'm going to ask you simply to raise your hand high enough and long enough for me to see it. Then you can put it back down. Then we're all going to pray together. So this is your moment, friend. If you want to get right with God, when I count to three, you raise your hand. Are you ready? One, two, three. That's it. Beautiful. Thank you. 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 You watching online, this is your moment to get right with God. I love it. It's beautiful. It's powerful. So I'm going to ask you all to repeat. Every one of you repeat this after me. Dear Lord Jesus, thank you for dying for me. To forgive all my sin and failures so I can have a brand new start. Please come into my life. 
I want to live for you with your help and strength from this day forward in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Come on, let's really cheer on these people that made that decision. It's a life-changing, it's a tipping point moment. I love it. So excited. So excited. See so many hands. And here's what we'd love you to do. Two things. Two things that'll really help you. You've just taken your first step. And we've celebrated that step. But there's other steps we want you to make. We want we want to set you up for a win. The first one is we want you to take a Bible. And so some of our team, as you leave, they'll be holding up these Bibles. They have come especially to meet you. They would be overjoyed if you came up and said, hey, I prayed that prayer, could I have a Bible? And they'd love to give you this as a gift to remember this turning point moment. But here's the second thing I would love you to do. You've taken this first step, but there's other steps. The Follow Jesus course is something we're really passionate about because we want to teach you how to read this, how to apply it, how to become like Jesus so you can live this life for many years to come. We want to, we want to get you started well. We, want to, we feel like mid, midwives. We want to steward your new birth in a really healthy way. So talk to the team. You can sign up online. You can sign up at the information desk, but get yourself in the Follow Jesus course, it starts in two weeks in the 5 p.m. service. Come along. It's going to be fantastic. So church, come on, why don't we celebrate all of those decisions? Come on, let's put our hands together. Thanks again for tuning in. And if you said the salvation prayer today, we'd love for you to email connecttofaith at soulchurch.com so we can talk to you a little bit more about this incredible decision that you've just made. Yeah, you know, and if at any point in the service you felt moved to give towards any of our local or global initiatives, then head to soulchurch.com and click on the giving at the top of the page. Thanks again for joining us today. And we hope to see you again soon. God bless.